We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. It's the sale you've been waiting for. Now through Monday, get a huge 50% off the styles you need now with 50% off all jeans, 50% off all dresses, and 50% off all tees. That's right, 50% off. Jeans start at 15 bucks for adults, 10 bucks for kids. Want fashion in a flash? Buy online and pick up in-store for free. Hurry, the sale ends Monday at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 829 to 9-2 excludes in-store clearance, jumpsuits, rompers, bubbles, active license, and men's package tees. Hey, 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 and welcome to another episode of the Rotoviz College Football Show. It's Dave Monlico here with you, and of course, I'm always joined with my boys, Matt Wispy and Jordan Hoover. Gentlemen, how are we doing today? I'm great, uh, although it sounds like you're having a bit more of a rough time today. Hey, you know, it's uh, it's been an interesting couple months. So right before college football season started, my, my son broke his arm. And then today at school, he may have broken his thumb. So it's just, you know moving from one thing on to the next you know it's just like uh telling you guys before we hit record it's like watching oregon football you know like right when things start looking good things get worse you know that's just how how life goes how about you jordan how you doing (laughs) i'm pretty good man uh i'm sorry to hear about all the uh the issues you're having on your end but well, uh... It's the sale you've been waiting for. Now through Monday, get a huge 50% off the styles you need now with 50% off all jeans, 50% off all dresses, and 50% off all tees. That's right, 50% off. Jeans start at 15 bucks for adults, 10 bucks for kids. Want fashion in a flash? Buy online and pick up in-store for free. Hurry, the sale ends Monday at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 829 to 9-2 excludes in-store clearance, jumpsuits, rompers, bubbles, active license, and men's packaged um chat a little bit call, talk a little bit of college football for the next 45 minutes or so and hopefully briefly give you a brief uh respite from the uh from the trauma indeed indeed now it's uh, election day did y'all go out and vote yes i did i yep, was yep. 
I was I was actually really uh, amazed by the the low level of technology that they had at my polling place. It's <laughs> it, it's pretty wild that it's 2018 and and they're using. Uh, I, I don't even really know how exactly to describe it, but uh, let's just say it's a uh, low tech. <laughs> it's pretty embarrassingly bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's good. I want to give a quick shout out to a good friend of mine, Tim Glenn who is running for the Utah House of Representatives. Good luck tonight, buddy. I will be tuned in and watching and hoping for all the best. So, yeah. Um, so let's get, into, let's get into football right off the bat here. Let's, uh, let's talk about what we think is going to shape out as far as the playoffs go. If you had to guess right now who's playing in the semifinals, who do you think it is, and then who do you think advances? So I think the two matchups... Right now, if I had to pick them, it's Alabama against Michigan and Clemson against Notre Dame. I would love to see Michigan upset Notre Dame if it if it is in fact Michigan. I mean, wow, Michigan upset Alabama if it is in fact Michigan because I I'm rooting against Alabama. But I do think that the final, if it we get those two matchups as I see it, would be Clemson and Alabama. And part of me thinks that Clemson is the only team that can even hang with Alabama. So I guess I'd be happy. Yeah, this kind of sucks going second because I pretty much feel exactly the same and that makes for really boring radio. But I just, when I look at it, I think Alabama and Clemson are probably pretty easily going to get there. I don't really think Notre Dame loses a game. And I, you know, unless Ohio State can pull it together at the end to be Michigan, I don't really see them losing either. So I kind of agree with Matt. And I also agree with uh, his final Alabama and Clemson, yet again, we are cursed in this existence forever. Um, yeah, but at and, least it's Trevor Lawrence against Tua Tagovailoa this year, and that's so much better than Jalen Hurts against uh, Deshaun Watson. I'm just that's glad true. you can say Tua's last name. I avoid it at all costs. <laughs> if I got it wrong, I'm no. just going to say it confidently. You did a, you, It sounded good to me. I, I have a slightly different take. I agree with... Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame, but I think Oklahoma, even yes. though they didn't have an amazing showing this week, they pulled out a really tough win, and I think they will. I think they'll win the rest of their games. I think Michigan might slip up, and therefore Oklahoma will be the last team standing there. And I think Oklahoma could be a really fun test for Alabama. Uh, I don't know if I have the stones to predict anything of that nature seeing as they as Oklahoma lost to what is looking more and more like a very perplexing confusing not as great as I thought but also better than maybe I thought Texas team um so so it's kind of hard to know what happens with Oklahoma but man Kyler Murray against Tua would be oh so much fun for a semifinal match uh, and, I, and I'd love to see it. So that's that's kind of my, my take is uh, I think Oklahoma ends up in the playoff instead of Michigan. Uh, but I do still think it's Bama-Clemson in the final. And I think we all would kind of give Alabama the nod there. So yeah, that's, that's kind of where I'm leaning today. Uh, but then again, I got almost all of our picks wrong last week. So what do I know about college football? I'm just here to listen to you guys. I mean, I had a lot of weeks where I was off was really terrible and I went I think five and one last week so I just had a good I had a lucky week yeah well let's get right into it I'd like to start with a game we all picked correctly uh, I want to take my victory lap uh, right off the bat here then maybe people will forget about my terrible picks later on 
But we all picked Alabama to beat LSU by 14 uh, plus, and they did so quite easily, 29 and nothing. You guys have any uh, any hot takes or anything you'd like? I mean, you guys both thought that uh, a few weeks ago we talked to, when we were talking about Tua for Heisman and how we probably sealed it up. We were talking about this game, and you both kind of predicted that he would be playing in the fourth quarter and possibly because he threw an interception. And what do you know? He threw an interception, and he played in the fourth quarter. So well done, gentlemen. You guys, uh, you guys got the prop bets. I mean, I think uh, my takeaway from the game was that it, it basically – went down like I thought it would. I I thought that LSU's defense would be able to play against Alabama as well as anyone has, but Alabama's eventually going to get theirs, and when it started to build up, I didn't think there was any way that LSU was going to get back on the board, and lo and behold, they were shut out. So, I, I mean, at this point, it's, it's to his Heisman to lose, and the only way he loses is if he just, like, somehow – against Mississippi State or uh, Auburn just goes out and throws like five interceptions. And even then, you'd probably still consider him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Jordan, what was what was your takeaways from the game? Yeah, we've been talking for, you know, just about every week about Alabama's offense and how good they've been, and that's undeniable. But I think what really stuck out to me was how dominant Alabama's defense was. And that's a defense that has looked vulnerable at times earlier in the season – you know, giving up more points than they probably should have given the talent that they have at certain spots. But, you know, they held LSU to 12 yards rushing for the entire game, which was the lowest total this century for any LSU team in any game. And I think that I wasn't really ever that high on LSU's skill position players. thought they were playing a little bit over their head. But even so, if Alabama can put together this kind of defensive effort paired with an offense playing with similar level of efficiency moving forward they you know we didn't think they could get much scarier but that does in fact make them scarier I think my biggest takeaway honestly from Alabama along with Jordan's statement about the defense is Damian Harris is trying to prove me wrong um, because I've been so low on him this year I thought I genuinely still part of me still thinks he's the third best running back on his own team. And there are people who still think he's like the top running back next year. But this game is pretty impressive because say what you want about uh, LSU being overrated. um, And there's an argument to be had that they were an overrated team putting up 107 yards against against LSU in Baton Rouge um, and still averaging 5.6 a carry is a is a good outing. So. Maybe they're proving me. Maybe Damian Harris is trying to prove me wrong a little bit. I'm sure clearly he thinks about me, low level nobody, every single day. I mean, it, it's if he is going to be this caliber of player, then Alabama's offense is going to be very difficult to stop. I imagine. I imagine Damian Harris every morning wakes up and has a picture of you on his closet door, and he just crushes it with one hand and walks out and starts lifting weights. Absolutely. No, Matt, you and I've been doing this together too long now because I was exactly where I was headed next. I was going to ask you guys about which Harris you thought was better in the backfield. Uh, I don't think we've actually talked much about the running back situation in Bama. I mean, we we've talked about two a lot in the wide receiving core. Uh, so yeah, it's interesting to to hear your thoughts on 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 Damian. I thought he had a really strong game, but you know, it's hard to, it's hard to ignore the talent you see in the backfield when he's not out there too. 
So they they do definitely have a lot of depth <laughs> in that position. I mean, he he's a good player, but I think there's a reason why he has never had a 200 carry season and he won't at any time during his college career. Um, I just think that there's a real chance that Najee Harris or Brian Robinson are both better than him at his position. So, and as for on the LSU side, I've said Nick Brissett sucks before. I still think Nick Brissett sucks. I wish that uh, Edwards Hilaire would be the lead back for them every single game. I don't think it would have mattered in this game, though. Yeah, I think you're right. Now, I have a question for you guys. Uh, I own a lot of Derrick Henry stock uh, <laughs> this year in fantasy football, which is a difficult thing to admit. Um, but I just look at uh, the history of Alabama running backs when they hit the NFL and there's a lot of disappointment. Do you think there's something to that, or do you think it's just some crazy fluke? I, I don't. I don't necessarily subscribe to the idea that a certain school produces a certain level. You know, like like if someone comes from a certain school, they're more or less likely to bust. I think there are a lot of other factors that go into it that are should be weighted a lot more heavily. But kind of touching back with Damian Harris, that you know, Matt, the fact that you said he'll never get a 200 carry season I think that probably says more about the fact that he's playing with three other guys who might play in the NFL more so than probably his lack of talent um and I'm not a huge I mean I'm not you know over the moon for Damian Harris but I think that on a different team he probably does have a bigger workhorse role and I think that's sort of just the way that the offense is is schemed but as far as like trans, you know, translating to the NFL, I think I don't know off the top of my head if there's been a real in-depth study done on this. But if you remember, Derrick Henry had an insane amount of touches when he was in in college, right? And he had an insane amount of touches when he was in high school. And I think that that can't help you as you keep moving forward, just because you know the old trope where or uh, tread on the tires. Where I think Damian Harris, who I, I don't know how many touches he got in high school, but I know that you know kept relatively low in college. I think he might actually have a little bit of a better chance to stay fresh in the long term. He, you know, he's not a perfect prospect, but I, I think that it, you know Derrick Henry is obviously like <laughs> it's extremely frustrating if he's if he's rostered, uh, it, you know, if you roster him in format right now, but. I don't necessarily think that, you know, Mark Ingram turned out to be okay. Trent Richardson obviously was horrendous. Stud. Um, but <laughs> but that's not to say that, like, one of these four guys doesn't come out, right. get in the right situation with the right coach in the right scheme and succeed. I guess that's kind of how Yeah, I you just it. have to hope, Mike, that, uh, that Coach Fisher lands a job and you get drafted by his team because that's guaranteed yes. success. Exactly. <laughs> uh, speaking of success... Both of you guys picked uh, the Penn State-Michigan game. I was oh so wrong, and probably the only person who cared more about that was was you, Jordan. How excruciating was it to watch this game, or did you just turn it off at some point? I just turned the knife in there on that introduction. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I to be to be t- <laughs> to be totally honest with you, I didn't really watch the second half of this game because. It, it, you know, not to not to 
toot our own horn here, but I think this pretty much went exactly the way that we saw it going, the, that we thought it would go. Penn State was overmatched on the interior on both sides of the ball. Trace McSorley struggled predictably, uh, only threw for 83 yards, no touchdowns, one interception. And, you know, Michigan just kind of bullied Penn State. And I think we saw kind of what we talked about last week about how there's a lack of playmakers, how the, you know, I was not sold on the interior really on either side of the ball for Penn State. Still not sold. I think they got exposed. And, you know, I've been reluctant to get on the Michigan bandwagon just because I wasn't entirely sure about their offense. But Karan Higdon just keeps doing his thing. He's up to seven game streak of the 100 yards or more. Shea Patterson was really efficient, wasn't asked to do a ton, but he's looking more and more comfortable. And, you know, it's sad as hell, but this is kind of what I was expecting. So in a weird way, I guess it made it hurt a little less. Yeah, I mean, I think Jordan kind of said everything I was going to say. I, I think you asked me last week, and I, I we probably surprised Stefan with this, uh, when I said there was a real chance that they were going to score single-digit points in this game, and yeah. it wouldn't take much for Michigan to hit the, uh, co- hit the cover on this. And, um, I mean... The fact that they ended up going over the 48 is really just a statement of how bad Penn State played. And it was kind of weird because I I actually thought this was going to be kind of a a quote-unquote classic Big Ten game where it was going to be low scoring. Uh, Michigan was going to like try and win field position and it was going to just be this battle. But man, Penn State could not control field position this game. It felt – I was actually – to. To be honest, I didn't watch much of this game either because I was in Chicago with my wife's family. Um, but I, we were kind of streaming it on our phone because they're all Penn State fans. And, I mean, it just felt like the whole game, Michigan was living on, like, Penn State's 35-yard line. And every time we look back and Michigan was getting the ball, they were on the 35-yard line. And you can't do that. Like, there's, you're not going to even stay competitive if – they're, you're always playing on the wrong side of the ball. So it was disappointing, and I, I, it's starting to come to fruition, but I really think Trace McSorley is uh, turning into JT Barrett. Um, I said it er- sort of early in the year to people in private conversation, but I felt like he was starting to be the guy that's sing in these big moment games, these meaningful games, and I was with Penn State fans who were calling for Tommy Stevens to play. They got so excited when he came out, and then he immediately threw a pick six, and everything just went to hell so but that was his only incompletion so in, in a way he had a perfect game he did and it was a <laughs> he we can say he went four for four with, with a, a touchdown, touchdown. absolutely absolutely just stop guys just stop. <laughs> <laughs> uh, another one that i got wrong and oh, man i was i hate i hate this texas team because i just i <laughs> just can't pick one of their games right uh, they were favored by two and a half and ended up losing by one. And both of you guys, to your credit, not only picked this game, but you both thought West Virginia would win this game on the road. Uh, and, man, if you told me, I mean, I, I expected it to be a high-scoring game, but if you told me that Texas was going to get 41 points, I would have felt pretty confident that they that they won this game. But they didn't. And I, I don't know what to do with Texas. I don't know. And then because of that, I don't know what to do with Oklahoma. And it just makes me feel very insecure and scared and weird. And I need you guys to talk me through this. Don't bet on Texas unless they're an underdog. That's, yeah. 
it's really it's it's really coming down to that and and that's like a very reductionist way to look at it but you know show me the lie i i i just don't know it's something about tom herman he is incapable of winning a game as a favorite and as we keep moving forward you know if they are favored again i don't really see a reason to not attack it again and in this in this game specifically you know looking at the box score west virginia ran for 232 yards and we know about Will Greer and we know about those wide receivers and how, how talented they are, you know, as a passing. But again, if West Virginia can pair that with a running game like this against Texas, who, you know, I, I don't think they're a bad I, I didn't think of them as a bad defense. And, and if they can if they can pair those two things, that offense is pretty damn near unstoppable. So, you know, but I, I also wanted to say real quickly on the Texas side of the ball. Sam Ellinger, who we talked about his health coming into this game, he's still probably not 100%, but he played really well. And, you know, it, it's starting to look like he's going to be, you know, one of the one of the better quarterbacks they've had in some time. And Lil' Jordan Humphrey is, you know, I don't know exactly where he'll end up in the NFL draft, but he's going to be, you know, he's just a freakish athlete, long you know, scouts are just absolutely going to love him. He he looks athletic. I think he'll probably test pretty well. He, he's rising. I think he's probably surpassed Colin Johnson. I don't know if you guys agree with that, but he just had a monster game and a loss. Nine catches, 143 yards, and a touchdown. And we got a Devin Duvernay sighting. He had six for 101. So all in a losing effort. Uh, really gutsy call by Dan Holgerson, you know, to, to go for two to win the game. And I love that, man. I, I love that aggression. It's kind of going against the old, you know, caveman backwards thinking coach playbook that gets handed around. And anytime that gets tossed in the, in the garbage, I'm all for it. Absolutely. Well, it also secured your bet. Yeah. Well, hell yeah. 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 yeah that too. Yeah. Uh, but I, you're right about little Jordan Humphrey. He's definitely going to be the uh, wide receiver that like team big wide receiver salivating over. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he 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 seems like a natural fit for like the Detroit Lions or something like that, you know? Like Kenny Galladay and him lining up, that would be pretty awesome. Um I'll tell you what guys, I'm I'm pretty excited for Black Friday. Uh Oklahoma, West Virginia, yes please, I'll be doing no shopping. I'll be eating tons of leftover turkey and just sitting down cuz i think both are going to be top 10 teams and it's going to there's there's going to be a lot on the line in that game it's going to be uh Oklahoma at West Virginia you know mark it on your calendars cuz you're going to want to you're going to want to stay home for that one with an over under in the mid 70s so. <laughs> right right and hopefully the potential for a rematch the following week i know it's going to be uh, i just the big 12 is just bananas right now it's it's so much fun all right let's look at the Georgia Kentucky game I wasn't, I didn't feel great about picking Kentucky, but I did it anyway. I just thought like their defense would be able to, to hold Georgia from scoring too many points. I thought Snell would end up with a big day on the ground and that things would, would turn out okay for them. I thought they'd lose, but I thought they'd keep it pretty close and they ended up, you know, getting doubled up on the score line. And yeah, I, I was pretty much off on on everything. I mean, Snell, Snell had a fine day, you know, 73 yards and a touchdown, but his longest run was only for 11 yards. He couldn't really break anything loose. Uh, I don't think, I think they only had one explosive play on offense the whole game. And, and that's just, when you're going up against a team that's putting up 34 points, you're, you're not going to win many games that way. Uh, did you guys get a chance to, to, to watch 
old blue get get rocked around? I didn't actually get to see this much of this game. I, I watched a little bit at the beginning, but my takeaway from just the box score is it looks like Georgia finally got back to the Nick Chubb, Sony Michelle model that worked so well for them last year with DeAndre Swift and Elijah Holyfield basically splitting carries, both going over 115 yards. Swift had two touchdowns, Holyfield had one. Uh, you know, I and this is against one of the one of the best defenses we've seen so far this year. So this, you know, that was not just some random outburst against some lower tier defense without talent, because that's just not the case. And again, if if you know that that kind of duo is what we saw power Georgia last year when when Jake Fromm was just a freshman, he he played okay, but when they were breaking him in, they leaned heavily on that two guy rotation with DeAndre. With playing a smaller role but now it looks like you know if they can keep that moving forward that that really I think improves Georgia's chances moving forward you know at, a, at potentially upsetting Alabama in the SEC championship game which I still think is a stretch but that's certainly going to help them if they can keep that duo going what do you think the uh the line will be in that one uh Alabama Georgia yes I think neutral yeah I think neutral field I want to say maybe like ten. Bama well, you're minus being ten. Kind. And you'll you still being kind. and you'll still you, pick. You Bama. think it's you think it's way higher than that? I think it's like fourteen and a half. I think it's similar to the LSU line. Yeah, I mean maybe that's low. I don't. I don't know. Yeah. I, I mean, there's I, a lot that can happen, and in those championship games like that, like for the SEC, I mean. I, I don't know. It's hard. It's hard to. It's hard to predict what what Vegas will do, but but it'll be something infuriating that we will be struggling with i'm sure yeah i i just think it makes them a little bit uh because i think that's what they what kirby smart and those guys want to do on offense i think that's the the model they want and i think that might make them a little bit more exciting if they get what they want and they can execute the game plan yeah matt how's your friend doing your kentucky friend is he is he surviving okay I mean, he was lying to himself all week and saying that they were going to win and how they were like, he's been just diving into delusion over the past few weeks and saying they were going to somehow beat Alabama. Um, and I laughed a lot, um, at that thought, um, haven't really heard much from him since the game, but I think it's just because he doesn't want to admit that his team was very flawed. Um, the fact that Terry Wilson actually had a pretty solid stat line of 23 for 29, um, UK fans should be somewhat optimistic that he was capable of passing when it's very clear that Georgia wanted to take Snell out of the game. And I think, unfortunately for UK, the takeaway is that Josh Allen can sort of be taken out of a game as well. And I think that was, while I do think that they did want to lean on the run game from a pure protect Jake Fromm, I think that was kind of the big thing that I would see from it. Because if you look at how we actually finished the day, Josh Allen, who is always a part of every game, only had one solo tackle the whole game and only had three total tackles. So I think that's sort of, I think that was their real game plan. And this was just keep him from impacting the game in any way. So I, I mean, UK fans, you still should be thrilled about this season. You're not a football school and you're, potentially going to play in a New Year's Six game. I'm seriously begging for, I saw a projection last week of UK and Ohio State. I am begging for that game. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. 
Now, uh, I think one of the biggest surprises of the weekend was Missouri just dismantling Florida. We all got this one wrong. We all thought Florida uh, would cover. And they ended up not only not only losing when they were favored, but they got they got run out the house. I think it was 21-3 at one point. And Drew Locke, uh, he had some strong words for you, Matt, after he heard the podcast. He, he wanted to prove you wrong, and he certainly did. I mean, sorry, Drew Locke. I think you're a capable quarterback. Uh, I also think that you really like playing against Florida. Unfortunately, Florida doesn't play in the NFL. <laughs> right, right. I mean, I... His last two years, in 2017, he had uh, 228 yards, three touchdowns, and an interception uh, against them on 75% completion percentage. And this year, he had a 75% completion percentage for 250 and three touchdowns. He does really well in this spot. For some reason, he plays better against this Florida team. Credit to him, because this is probably – this is arguably the best defense he'll play all year – I think we there's this is another one of those teams. I, it's just hard to figure them out. They're kind of like Texas. You think they should be good. You think they should be um, should get a home field advantage. Nope. Um, there's there's no reason to believe in this Florida team moving forward for me. I, I mean, they'll probably pick up games here and there. But I mean, we thought they were a legitimate contender for a minute and they're not. They're fraudulent. Yeah. And I think of one big reason why they're fraudulent is because they don't have a quarterback. Um, they have one. They just aren't going to use his break or they aren't going to waste his red shirt. Well, that's fair. And maybe that's on Dan Mullen. But, you know, all we can judge on is what we have, you know, the roster that they put on the field right now. And unless, you know, unless you think Kyle Trask is the answer, um, you know, I I just we we again, it's about all the time. But if you don't have a quarterback, you don't really have a, you don't really have a team. That's just kind of how it is. And it's kind of a shame because I think they're, you know, Florida is talented. But if if, if they cannot get any production from the quarterback, any stability, it's it basically all goes to waste. So, I mean, until until that changes, uh, my opinion on Florida is pretty much that you're going to have an inconsistent team that, you know, will win some games. But it, when they're when they're back up against the wall and they're have to score especially through the air I just cannot count on them to do so yeah I think you're right I think with Florida you can expect their offense to to put up you know two to three touchdowns a week maybe uh and if their defense yeah and that's with their defense you know getting a couple turnovers a couple sacks big plays but uh but if 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 people can figure out how to score on them like Missouri did it's just going to be a long day because their their offense isn't equipped to to put up a lot of points so, so the last game we picked was Notre Dame at Northwestern. We thought the line was totally crazy. And I think, Jordan, you mentioned that it started off at like 10 and a half. Now, when we called it, it was down to eight. So we uh, actually, you know, we were on the on the safe side of things. We all picked Notre Dame. And yeah, they ended up winning by, by 10. So, so good for us. But I think I, at least I was surprised that it was as close as it was. Yeah, I actually think that I actually think we got the early line at eight. I'm pretty sure that that line moved up to over ten at over ten at kick. Is that is that right? I thought I saw. I even thought I saw eleven and a half at one point. Yeah. Okay. So I, so think we, I got my I got my uh, numbers. I got my history backwards. Yeah. No worries. I I think that we you know we kind of got 
got lucky, I guess, with the early number because, you know, I personally, and I think Matt would agree, we, we didn't think that this number was anywhere in the correct ballpark. So we were wrong on that. We got the game right, but it was sort of a backdoor cover at the end to get us there. Um, you bring up a really good point, though. There, there's sometimes a huge advantage to being one of the, the earlier people to, to bet on a game before lines move. And that's definitely a good tip for people to check those lines right away instead of waiting till Friday night. Absolutely, because there are situations here like, you know, potentially the, we don't talk a lot about middling in terms of betting, but this would have been a potential middle spot if the if the line closed above 10 you could have gotten, you know, you could have gotten uh, Notre Dame early in the week and then played back on Northwestern and potentially middled. That's getting a little bit into the weeds, I guess. But yeah, as far as this game, I mean, Notre Dame was, I think, plus two, 215 yards, uh, total yards. Uh, I think the score was probably a little bit closer than the game on the field. Ian Book stayed hot. You know, we we talked about in last on last week's show. We talked about Notre Dame's offense with him under center. How it's completely, he's just completely changed the whole outlook of that offense. And while I think they might have underperformed a bit on the scoreboard here, you know, he certainly did not. He still looks to be in control. And you know, I I don't know. I I kind of just my feelings on Notre Dame haven't really changed. This this result didn't really move the needle at all for me. I still feel pretty confident that they're going to make it through unscathed. This was a little bit of a tricky spot because at Notre Dame uh, at night, you know, can tend to trip some teams up, but they managed to find a way through and cover, which is good for us. Yeah, I mean, I think my takeaway is similar. I'm, a, I'm slightly disappointed by the performance just in the fact of I would have thought this is a game where they could have put it on Notre Dame. I mean, on Northwestern. Good. But I mean, it. It was a road win against a team that at the time was or and probably still is leading the Big Ten East, which is insane or Big Ten West, which is insane. So, I mean, it is what it is. They they shut down a good quarterback. Clayton Thorson is one of those quarterbacks that most people aren't discussing, but he's a very good quarterback. He's very capable. He Um, made some he made some really nice throws. Uh, his touchdown pass, uh, I think uh, the second touchdown of the game that he threw was just a, a beautiful pass. So he, I mean, he's he's very good. And I, I think that's the fact that they held him under 200 yards passing in the game says a lot about this Notre Dame defense. Yeah, and I mean, you, you're right that you maybe expected more from Notre Dame. I mean, we expected them to to, to win by more than by more than what they did. But I mean, they they had that block punt against them that that set Notre that excuse me that set Northwestern. It's hard to talk about Notre Dame and Northwestern. They they kind of sound too similar. Um, but if they don't get that block punt, I mean, they likely don't score that touchdown, right? So I think a few things broke Northwestern's way to keep it as close as it was. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's easy to say that in hindsight. But it was it was definitely an interesting game. I I'm glad I got that one right, so I didn't just get one on the whole week. One in one in five is a lot worse than you know two and four, uh, at least in my perspective. But yeah, anyway, we we really enjoy being able to pro- pro- provide the listener with great content at Rotoviz. So just a quick reminder that you can support the Rotoviz Radio Network and our ten shows per week on Patreon. By doing so, you'll gain exclusive access to Rotoviz Live, which is our weekly Sunday morning video show answering all of your fantasy questions. Patronships start at just five bucks a month and provide exclusive access to Rotoviz Live, 
That's four shows per month on top of 40 podcasts for just $5. Become a Rotoviz Radio patron today to join an exclusive community of listeners, access premium content, and do your part in helping the network to grow and continue to produce high-quality, industry-leading programming. And speaking of exclusives, as a loyal listener, you get 30% off a Rotoviz NFL Pass right now. It's available on the homepage, uh, rotoviz.com backslash podcast. Get ready for that playoff push and gain unlimited access to all our NFL content and tools. So you get an amazing value and support the podcast network. Once again, that's rotoviz.com backslash podcast. Yeah, and there really is so much great content out there. One of the things I love about being a part of the Rotoviz team is that we cover so many different angles uh, from DFS to your season long, and then not just with fantasy football either. There's all kinds of stuff we cover. So definitely check it out, and uh, I think you will be very pleased. All right, let's move on to next week. Let's look ahead. We've got Ohio State at Michigan State. Ohio State is favored by four points. Matt, I know you're picking Ohio State. Tell me why. You think I'm picking Ohio State? Uh, I mean, I guess I'm going to, because I kind of feel like I'm obligated to, I will pick Ohio State. I think if I were actually uh, putting my real dollars on this one, which I I won't, I I might actually lean Michigan State. But for the sake of my heart, I'm going to pick Ohio State. And the only reasoning is Michigan State sort of plays into the type of style of football that benefits Ohio State. they're, they don't have the small, speedy wide receiver in the same way, and they their quarterback isn't Adrian Martinez or Trace McSorley, so that's always fun. Um, I don't know. I don't have great reasoning. I think they're more talented than Michigan State. I think Michigan State's not a very good team. Um, so I'm going to take Ohio State because I feel like I'm obligated to. Yeah, I mean, I'm also going to lay the points and take Ohio State. I know that this is can be a tricky spot, sort of like Northwestern games at Michigan State tend to trip teams up because they like to play that really slow, ugly type of football. But I'm a little bit concerned about Michigan State scoring. I I know that Ohio State's defense is invulnerable, uh, especially to the big play. But the good news for you, Matt, and the rest of the Ohio State fans is that Michigan State creates almost no big plays. Brian Lewerke, I think, is regressing, perhaps. Um, he's looked real bad. You can just call him bad. He's I just was going to say that, too. Regre- he's definitely regressed. It's been it's been painful to watch. Like his, yeah. yeah, especially his last three games. I mean, there, he just has not looked good all in conference. I, and again, I just, I don't know. Michigan State, they've been, they've been bad on third down. They've converted only 33% of their third down attempts, averaging 3.5 yards per carry, you know, and I just trust Haskins and an emerging group of wide receivers probably the most. I don't think Ohio State will be able to run the ball very well because Michigan State is legit against the run. But I think that Haskins can do some things in the air. And as a short road favorite, um, I'll, I'll lay the four with the Buckeyes. Yeah, me too. You, you kind of stole my thunder there. Just looking at Lewerke's, uh recent game logs. And just actually, just I watched quite a bit of Michigan State, as I've confessed before. I, I do do like them and it's been really painful to watch I think at the beginning of the season there was a lot of question marks and he came out the gate looking really good I mean even in the Arizona State loss he looked really good at times but he really has kind of been in this downward spiral and I don't know if you can count on Connor Hayward busting an 80-yard touchdown every week 
And, I mean, you take that away. I mean, they were able to run the ball really well against Maryland last week, but it's Maryland, and a lot of it came on that one play. So I don't have a whole lot of faith in this offense, just like you said. I think Ohio State will be able to score enough. Uh, so, yeah, give me Ohio State. And then uh, let's move on to, this one's a tricky one, Mississippi State at Alabama. 24 and a half points is an awful lot, and yet I still just can't imagine a world in which I'm not going to give Bama the nod. So give me Bama, even though it's a massive number, but they are at home, and I think that Tua and company just continue to roll. I mean, they put up, they 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 won by twenty nine last week, so why can't they beat Mississippi State by twenty four and a half? Right. This one's hard. Uh, like my heart is really pushing me towards Mississippi State because I think they're a decent team, um, and Nick Fitzgerald is sort of the type of quarterback they've traditionally struggled with. I I can't <laughs> I cannot pick against this Alabama team. They're uh, they were just way better. Okay, so get ready. Get ready. Oh boys. yes, I like this it. is fun. Get ready. Okay. Man. I'm going to take the points with Mississippi State, and here's why. The over-under for this game, last time I checked, is 51.5. The spread is 24.5. To me, that's an automatic signal to take the points. And the reason why is because six of Mississippi State's, or excuse me, the last six games for Mississippi State have gone under the total, with eight of the last 11 games between these two teams going under the total. Both teams rank 90th or worse in adjusted pace. And S&P Plus, for what it's worth, has Alabama favored by 18 points. So there's a little bit of value if you believe in that. And I'm just trying to stay principled here. I know it goes against everything I've said about Alabama so far. And this is not really a high-confidence pick, but I'm sticking to my principles. I see that big of a spread with that low of a total, and I just cannot go against it. So I'll... Take the points, you know. That's some. With, that's that's a really good. Some really good logic and reasoning there. You can't argue much with it. You know, that's that's very reasonable. Um, try me. And, yeah, and no, I, know, I hear you, man. It, I, they I could get blitzed. They right. They could get torched. Like, but but you no do bring doubt. up some really good points, and I think yeah, I'd feel much more comfortable with an eighteen point spread. You know, but uh, but it's not that. So <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah. we must we must do what we do. And you know what? I, I could see this ending up like a 24-point win, you know, just to, mm-hmm. just to screw with us all. Uh, but yeah, we've got a rivalry game, Oklahoma State at Oklahoma, 18 points here. That's a big number, Matt. What are you going to do with it? You know, I, when I first saw the number, my inclination was to say, whatever, I'm taking Oklahoma for the same logic that I took Alabama. But you know what? Texas Tech kept that game awfully close last week against Oklahoma, which makes me think that their defense is still not solved at all because um, even though a tech can score, you'd think that they're, they should still at least be outmanned by Oklahoma's defensive players um, for that reason alone and rivalry game, eh, whatever that's worth. Um, I'm just, just going to grab a whole bunch. I'll take Oklahoma state. I'm on board with that. I'm going to take the points as well. I think that, Oklahoma State leads the nation in sacks, 3.7 per game, excuse me. Kyler Murray's extremely mobile, so we'll see if that kind of balances out. But they've been able to create pressure. And like you said, Oklahoma allowed 46 points last week to Texas Tech, who runs a sort of similar scheme. Uh, there are differences between Oklahoma State and Texas Tech, but, you know, kind of kind of molded after each other. And Tylen Wallace has been 
fantastic, the wide receiver for Oklahoma State. I think he can do some damage against that secondary for the Sooners. Taylor Cornelius is looking like he's gaining confidence each week. And again, not to steal you know what you just said, but I'm just not entirely sold on this defense. I, I want Oklahoma to be in the playoff, but the only thing that's really holding me back is that I just cannot fully buy in that they can stop teams on that side of the ball. And with this being over three scores, uh, I'll take the 18. Yeah, that's a sweep. I, I have to, too. Again, I, I think Oklahoma wins this, but I think it'll be more like by by 10. I think even if the line was 14, I'd lean Oklahoma State. So even if it if it creeps back down, I still, yeah, I'm just I'm just nervous about such a high number with Oklahoma. Possibly that's because I've been burned this year by them when when picking them to win by by big margins. Oklahoma State to me though is a really confusing team. They they lost like they got punished by Kansas State a couple weeks ago. Got beat by Baylor. I mean they've had a really up and down season because they another on the other hand you know they they beat texas they beat boise state they beat some some decent teams so they're they're a confusing team and it, it's hard to really know what's going to happen on saturday so i think this is a really interesting game but with it being a rivalry game i just think yeah give me oklahoma state i'll take those 18 points and and hope it's enough clemson's at boston college this weekend which i think will be an interesting game it's a 20 point spread I'm going to take Boston College for two reasons. One is because they're at home. And two is I think they're going to be able to slow the, the, the game down a little bit and, and keep it close is the wrong word uh, because we are still talking about you know, almost three touchdowns here. But I think they keep it within 17. So I'm going to take Boston College and feel really, really weird about it. I, it's funny that you say you feel weird because I have this a sinking feeling this one may turn into a sweep as well. Um this is actually the matchup that more so than NC State on Clemson's schedule that kind of looks like the spot where Clemson could get caught. And it's somewhat for the reason that you said. Um, Boston College is going to try and slow them down a lot. And even though I think that um, Clemson's defense is going to put this focus on do not let A.J. Dillon do anything, he's also really talented. So um, 20 points is an awful lot. Uh, especially when I think that Boston College strategy is probably going to be do everything in your power to keep Trevor Lawrence off of the field um, and play defense by playing incredibly slow offense. S&P Plus has this as only a four, as an 18.6 margin. I'm getting a free 1.4 points. I will take Boston College. Man, I hate I hate all three picks being the same because we generally whip on those. <laughs> but yeah. uh, this is yeah I. My question is A.J. Dillon's health. I read today that head coach, Boston College's head coach, basically like played coy as to his availability. Um, I think he has a sprained ankle. He basically said, like, we hope to have him out there and give him 35 carries, like he always says. And, you know, who knows how much truth there is to that. But I think that his availability and his health is really important here because clearly he's the best player on that team on offense and his, you know, his availability is extremely important to Boston College being able to keep this close. But, you know, game days there, if you want to go down Narrative Street, big underdogs uh, at home at night, relatively low over under when we're talking about college at 58 and a half, I believe, 58 around that area. So sort of a similar thinking that I had before about um, Mississippi State. 
I, you know, I hate, I hate all three of us agreeing, but I'll, I'm going to take the points as well with the big home underdog. We did well last week when we all picked the same. So maybe we'll yeah. be all right. Well, I think this week is just <laughs> this week is just tough because all the games. Well, I mean, other than the Ohio State, Michigan State, all these games that we're looking at, we're talking about a 24 and a half, 18, 20, and then this mm-hmm. last one is 18 and a half points. Florida State at Notre Dame. So we're talking about games with these huge, huge numbers, and those are always really, really difficult to bet. Like as an Oregon fan, back when we were actually good with Chip Kelly. You'd see these. You'd see these spreads where we we were expected to win by twenty four points. So I could never comfortably bet on Oregon because you just don't know what's going to happen. Is the team going to take their foot off the gas? Are they going to put in the backups and throw some pick sixes? Like you just don't know what's going to happen. So they are always really really difficult, but they're also a lot of fun. Uh, and it gives on because I think this upcoming weekend's not quite as exciting as last week's was. Was not as many big games. Uh, so so it gives you a little bit of rooting interest when you got a little bit of money on it. So this Florida State at Notre Dame. I want to tell you guys how how just ecstatic I am that Willie Taggart thought he was too good for Oregon and took off because he saved us years, years of going backwards. I was reading an article that Bart Simmons put out earlier this week. I shared it with you guys uh, that Oregon has one of the top recruiting classes in the country this year. Now, that doesn't happen if Willie Taggart is losing all these games for us. So I am just so glad he's gone. And I am so happy to pick against Florida State and watch them lose. So give me Notre Dame, if for no other reason than spite. But in all seriousness, I think Ian Book is just a difference maker for Notre Dame. We've been talking about him a lot. I think all of us have been really surprised by just how good he's been. But I think he is, I think he's a special talent at quarterback at the college level. And I'll be interested to see what kind of steps he makes uh, as he progresses through his career. Um, but I think I think Notre Dame rolls really easily at home against Florida State. Yeah, I I agree. I'm also going to lay the points. Uh, it's a big number, but I I look at Florida State, who has been really bad on third down. They've been atrocious in the red zone. They have one of the worst run blocking offensive lines in the country. They also rank 130th in havoc rate allowed, which is a Bill Connolly stat, basically showing um, you know how much pressure they can get on defense and. I read today that the weather in South Bend is supposed to be cold, potentially snow slash rain slash whatever happens in Indiana. And I just don't really know how up Florida State is going to be. I know that they're going to Notre Dame, which is, you know, one of the one of the biggest programs in college football history. Perhaps they get a little bit of motivation from that, but they don't really have much to play for. The season is basically over and, you know, leaving Tallahassee to go north in the cold. The only thing that really holds me back is that Notre Dame is 0-4-1 against the spread as double-digit favorite this year. But that's still not enough. I think Florida State gets dominated on the interior, which I think is really important. And if the weather is bad, the running game will become more important. And Florida State, despite having Cam Akers, who I think is still a special talent, they they just do not have what it takes to stand up on the offensive line. So... It's a it's a big number, but I'll lay the points. I'm seriously like racking my brain over here trying to find a reason to take Florida State. Um, <laughs> it's hard to do this week. It's any week. It's, it's really difficult. My the here are my arguments for taking Florida State. Hey, if you lose this game, you basically have no shot at bowl eligibility. Yeah. Um, if you get blown out here, then uh, you're really embarrassed. Um, 
And then I was scrolling down Bill Conley's S&P Plus, and I just realized, because I'm dumb, that Ricky Aguayo is the field goal kicker for uh, Florida State. Yeah, that alone, because of his brother, I'm taking Notre Dame because any team with an Aguayo on it is not good. You reach deep for that one, brother. I'm all in on picking against Aguayos. That's my new <laughs> betting strategy, fade Aguayo. Aguayo sounds like it would be a delicious like fruit beverage. It no, does. <laughs> instead, it just instead it's just a tall glass of disappointment on special teams. Yeah, unless you can invest a, a high round draft pick, you know, for a nice kicker. Yeah. <laughs> All right, boys. I uh, I'm excited for this weekend. I I got to be honest with you. I don't know what to think about this slate of games. It's not near as exciting as it was last year, but I do I do think that Oklahoma Oklahoma State matchup is one definitely worth watching I'm, I'm really excited to see what goes down there just because i do have i don't know for some reason i really want to see oklahoma take care of business and, and do do something fun make a push uh i think it'd be i think it'd be really fun for uh for the uh, playoff committee to try to figure out what to do with all that i'm also interested to see how oregon performs at utah i'm pretty terrified of what will take place but, uh, yeah, I'd like to see Oregon. They looked good last week. I'd like to see if they can continue on. Uh, I was watching a lot of Oregon during the Alabama-LSU game, and I felt like just the strange. I was like, I'm probably the only person in the world not watching Bama-LSU and instead watching Oregon-UCLA. But I was doing it, and I was loving it. So I'm excited for, for, for a little bit more Oregon in my life. Um, but I have a feeling I'll be turning it off at halftime because I'll be frustrated. Just watch Ohio State and Michigan, and then you can text me knowing that I'm uh, sitting there sweating. Uh, <laughs> or if I'm either going to be sweating because we're going to have a small lead or uh, throwing my remote control against the wall because we're losing. So either way, you get to hear a story. I like it. And a little bit, just real quick, a little bit off the board on Friday night. I know we, we tend to stick to power five talk on this show but fresno state is going to boise state on friday night um 10 15 kick so it's tough here on the east coast but fresno state has quietly been like freakishly good from an analytical standpoint and this game opened at a pick it's moved to fresno state minus three and I'm not necessarily talking from a betting perspective, but I'm just kind of interested to see how Fresno does, you know, at Boise to see if they can keep moving forward at this pretty ridiculous clip when we're talking about the uh, analytical side of things. I just saw how much Bill Conley loves them. That's insane. He has them as their seventh ranked team. It's wild. That's nuts. It's wild. And and they, they were kind of doing it last year too. They, no one, talks about them and and you know it's understandable because they play out west they're you know their conference yada 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 the way the way college football is set up i understand but i think that every once in a while it it pays to kind of look a little bit off the board and see what's going on on the periphery and i think fresno state is is kind of one of those teams this year yeah them and ucf of course now that's (laughs) that's great all right guys thanks let everyone know where they can find you matt where, where are you at uh, you can read my stuff over at Roto Baller. Um, every once in a while, I might contribute at Rotoviz as well. And you can find me at Wispy the Kid on Twitter. And I'm on Twitter at, at jhoover9787, um, sparingly tweeting. 
and uh, my my written words can be found on Rotoviz. Right, and I'm at StayFunLaco, and like I said last week, just started a new podcast called Is This It? It's on iTunes, Stitcher, and all the rest, so check that out if you like. And yeah, thanks so much for listening. We're looking forward to another fun week, and we are excited to talk to you again next week. It's the sale you've been waiting for. Now through Monday, get a huge 50% off the styles you need now with 50% off all jeans, 50% off all dresses, and 50% off all tees. That's right, 50% off. Jeans start at 15 bucks for adults, 10 bucks for kids. Want fashion in a flash? Buy online and pick up in-store for free. Hurry, the sale ends Monday at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 829 to 9-2 excludes in-store clearance, jumpsuits, rompers, bubbles, active license, and men's package tees. It's the sale you've been waiting for. Now through Monday, get a huge 50% off the styles you need now with 50% off all jeans, 50% off all dresses, and 50% off all tees. That's right, 50% off. Jeans start at 15 bucks for adults, 10 bucks for kids. Want fashion in a flash? Buy online and pick up in-store for free. Hurry, the sale ends Monday at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 829 to 9-2 excludes in-store clearance, jumpsuits, rompers, bubbles, active license, and men's package tees. Breaking up is hard to do, but when it comes to your wireless carrier, you should have left a while ago. You're over the big three carriers. You deserve better. Xfinity Mobile. Now you can get unlimited with 5G included for just $30 a month on the nation's fastest, most reliable network. So break free from the big three and save with Xfinity Mobile. Take the savings challenge at XfinityMobile.com slash MySavings to see how much you can save when you get Xfinity Mobile and Internet together. Reduced speeds at 20 gigabytes per line. Most reliable based on RootMetrics U.S. report. Results vary, not an endorsement. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.